Welcome to the Swallow Your Pride podcast. I'm your host, Teresa Richard. I'm a board-certified specialist in swallowing and swallowing disorders, and I know firsthand how much confusing and conflicting information there is out there about how we assess and treat swallowing disorders. This podcast is all about bringing everyone together, getting on the same page, being open to new ideas, and using evidence-based treatment strategies for our patients with dysphagia. So let's get into it. Just a quick disclaimer that all statements and opinions expressed in this episode do not reflect on the organizations associated with the speakers and are their own opinions solely. This is episode 88 of the Swallow Your Pride podcast, and today's guest is Kelly Green. She's a practicing SLP serving children through adults in the greater Columbus, Ohio area. She provides consultations with families to support individuals with a variety of developmental disabilities. Kelly works at a long-term acute care Her clinical interests include autism, AAC, fees, dysphagia, and mentoring between colleagues and students. Kelly also holds a CCC with ASHA and state licensure with the state of Ohio. And just real quick, I wanted to add, since Kelly is a wonderfully loyal member of both the MedSLP Collective and my inner circle, I've got some important dates coming up that people have been asking me about. So the MedSLP Collective will be reopening on Friday, July 12th. So if you're on that waiting list or you're wondering when that's going to reopen, that's Friday, July 12th. And people ask me why we close it and why we open it like that because you guys ask so many questions <laughs> before you want to join. And I literally, I have to take the entire week off to sit and answer questions. And that's important to me because I want you guys to be informed about what you're getting into, but that's why. (laughs) So it's very time consuming and it just takes a lot of time for me to respond to all of your questions. And the other thing, the inner circle, I've opened applications for that. So if you are interested in joining this next round of my inner circle, which the first round went overwhelmingly well. I I honestly am speechless. I'm never speechless, obviously, (laughs) but I can't even say all the amazing things that these, these girls, I'm saying girls because it was only women. Sorry, I should say it was only females in the group that we did not have any males join us this time. And that's not, we're not discriminatory. We just didn't have any men that joined us this time, but it, it was wonderful. It was incredible. And I just love what these people are doing for this field. And we're opening applications to be accepting our next round. So if you're interested in applying, please go to bit.ly, B-I-T L-Y forward slash T-R and it's capital T-R inner circle. And please be thorough on your application because I only accepted about a quarter of the people that applied last time because I truly only want to work with people that want to make a huge splash in this field and have big goals and have big dreams and don't want to sit and argue for them and don't want to say why they can't achieve their goals. And we all have doubts. We all, you know, I I know it's easy to say, oh, that's going to be difficult or I'm having a bad day. That's fine. That's not what I'm talking about. But people that just flat out say, I'm never going to be able to do that. I'll never get that done in my facility. I don't want to work with those kind of people. So I asked that if you want to join this, that you be very thorough on the application. I did turn away some people last time that they were surprised why their application was denied. And it was because they didn't really give me any substance. And I can't help you if I don't know what your goals are and what you want to set out to accomplish in this field. So if you're interested in applying, applications are open now. Go to bit.ly forward slash capital T, capital R, inner circle. And I hope you join and I'll be in touch with everybody soon. Hello, Kelly. 
Hi, thanks for having me today. Oh, thank you for joining me. I'm I'm so excited for this episode. I am too. I, I you know this has been a, a year, actually two year process. So I'm I'm super excited to kind of be able to share kind of my my process and transitioning. Yes, and I love it. I'm I'm so glad you're willing to share with everybody what's going on. And yeah, so I guess tell the people a little bit about who you are. Sure. So I have been a speech language pathologist for oh coming up twelve years now. And oh goodness, 90% of my career has been peds and, you know, life changes, things change. I've had two kids, you know, and things just started to shift. So I, I transitioned to private practice and I absolutely loved it. And kind of in that private practice was where I discovered my desire and quest to learn more about the medical field. And that's really kind of where it started. And the fact that I do have the private practice, I have the flexibility to do that because I make my own schedule. I can, you know, set the hours that I want and that I need to be able to do this. So while I've got the opportunity right in front of me, I'm just kind of seizing the day and just going for it. And it's been a joy. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And so kind of the, the, the working title of this podcast is really how to transition into the med SLP world the right way. And you know, I know Dr. Jamie Fisher did an episode a while ago about how to do this. And now Kelly's the living, breathing creature that actually has done this. And I, what, I mean, Kelly, what I love, love, love about you is uh, you have a husband with a, he has his own thriving career. Mm -hmm. You have two kids. You've never once come up with an excuse as to why you can't do this. You've taken course after course, CEUs, you've joined my inner circle, you've joined other programs that I've done too. And you just constantly are out there seeking more information, obtaining the information so you can be the best SLP that you can for your patients. And I think it's totally commendable. Oh, so. well, thank you. You know, yes. and I, it's just kind of in my personality. You know, if you tell me, no, I'm going to not only show you, <laughs> but I'm going to go above and beyond and not say yeah. that anybody specifically said no, but you always hear the, how, how are you going to get this done? And well, I've got this going on and I've got that going on. And I just wanted to, to be able to show that you can do it. You 100% can look the way that you envisioned. It may not look the way that everybody else has envisioned it for you, but if you want it bad enough, you'll go out and you'll make it happen. And that's essentially what I've been busting my butt the past two years doing. And it's not been fun. It's not been pretty. And I actually started with your podcast and funny, uh, Dr. Jamie Fisher and I went to grad school together. So, oh, I didn't even yeah. know that. I knew you guys were friends, but I didn't know you went to grad school together. Oh, so it's really funny because we both child language and all of yeah. the keys and then she transitioned. And so behind the yeah. scenes, she's been uh, my cheerleader and kind of coach along the way. And I literally followed her podcast to a T, you know, because that's what she's whispering in my ear all along anyway. And so Honestly, if if you do it the right way, the the benefit's going to be so rewarding. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I love what I love about you is I know we were on a phone call like a few you know months ago, and your kids were screaming yeah. in the background, and you're like, "Sorry, my husband had to work late tonight." And it's like I I loved it because it's like, who cares? We got it done. Like we still got through what we needed to get done. We talked about what we needed to get done, and and I just I love your no excuses motto, Kelly, because I feel the same way. I appreciate it. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I I feel like I I kind of got an argument with a girl this morning who just kept arguing for her limitations, just arguing, arguing, arguing. And I was like, you know what? It takes as much energy to go after your goals as it does to argue against them. 
So you can do two things. You can continue to like argue with me about why you can't do any of this, or you could take the same amount of time and look into how you can do it. Exactly. So. And I, that's where I was at, at a crossroads with my career. And I, I absolutely love the field. I mean, I am a die hard SLP forever. Like I'm one of those, I'll <laughs> never completely retire. It may look different, you know, 20, 30 years from now, but I'll never retire. And I was getting to a point where I just wasn't feeling as fulfilled. And so that's, I said, Hey, this is not my personality. This is, I don't like this feeling. What do I need to do to better myself as a clinician to essentially level up? You know, it's, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm making it happen. <laughs> yeah, I love it. That, I think I've talked about this before, but that was a conversation I had with my husband one day. You know, I came home just in a horrible, crappy mood, you know, and he was like, I feel like you hate your job. And I was like, I don't hate. I was like, I love what I do, but I hate like I was in a crappy yeah. like position at that point. And I was like, I hate this position. And he was like, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to sit and whine about it? Or are you going to do something about it? And that's when I went and started my own thing. And I was like, no, because I know that I love this field. I love my patients. I truly love what I do. I just, there's other external circumstances that I don't love right now. Absolutely. So. And I think we're at a, at a point now just with technology and just the time of day where we don't have to retire from the same place after working there for 30 years. Right. And again, not right. against anybody if that's what they so choose, but it doesn't have to look like that anymore. We are allowed yeah. to put together and to create a career that we can all feel fulfilled in. And again, like if I can be an example of how, you know, you can transition after 12 years to completely opposite area, it can be done. If that's what you want and desire for yourself to be fulfilled, then it can happen. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. All right. So where should we start, Kelly? Well, maybe I'll go through a background and kind of my process. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so again, like I said, I, I've been a pediatric SLP for 12 years. And again, 90% of it, and I say 90 just because I've been transitioning for the past two years, have been peds. I'm talking birth to three. I'm also a certified lactation counselor. So breastfeed. I mean, I'm baby babies kids with autism, AAC, that's kind of been my jam for the past few years. And again, once I started having my own children, life got complicated, work life, home life balance is important to me. And I'm not really willing to sacrifice that for anybody. So once that started to happen, I had to switch gears. And so that's where private practice came about. So I own a pediatric private practice here in Columbus, Ohio, and that's doing well. And now that I have the flexibility, I can now venture into different avenues. And so when I was initially trying to transition, I didn't have a lot of adult experience. It had been since grad school. And so following Dr. Jamie Fishes, I said, well, I've got to get my hands into it. And so I was just even having a hard time. I, I went onto Facebook, I got onto some groups and I just said, hey, I want to come and observe. Can I just come and watch you and hang out for a day? And I, you know, it's, it's humbling. You know, I would, would consider myself to be an experienced clinician, but in the adult medical world, I wasn't. And the fact that I was not afraid to just be open and completely transparent and say, listen, can I just come and hang out and just even see if this is going to be something that I am going to want to pursue? So that's where I started. I love it. Yeah. So what, what, who did you end up or, or what kind of setting did you end up 
observing yeah. first? So I ended up observing um, in a skilled nursing facility and I reached out to a group. I think it was the director that responded or she tagged the SLP that was at that facility. And she was great. She said, come on in. Yeah. Awesome. She and I hit it off. I went to observe a few times and actually got hired on there. So, oh, excellent. Yeah. And I should note, it's 45 minutes away. So just to kind of put it out there, you know, it, it's all about your drive, literally and figuratively, you know, yes. about what you yeah. want to do. I mean, in a perfect world, I would have loved to drive five minutes from my house, right. but that wasn't what happened. And if I just kind of kept focusing on my end goal, I was okay taking that, that 45 minute one way drive to go and hang out for a few hours because I knew that that's what I wanted to learn. I wanted to be in that environment. So yeah, I went to observe a few times and I got hired on there as PRN. I love it. So, okay. So let's talk about that. So they hired you on PRN. Mm -hmm. They knew full well that you didn't have, you know, much experience. Sure. So I'm assuming that since they were extremely supportive to begin with, that they had some sort of supportive mentorship. Absolutely. Absolutely. For you. So anytime I covered, I was always there with another SLP. Ah, Sometimes okay. I'm so glad you two. raised that point. Yeah. yeah. So until I got, I think I had been there several months before I ever covered solo. And then even still, they, you know, they gave me patients that I felt most comfortable with. And that was kind of yeah. our, our deal. You know, this is where I'm comfortable. This is where I feel strong. If I could not have these patients solo where I don't have, you know, anyone there in the building to kind of, to ask questions about, I'd prefer to not see those if I'm going to, you know, see those patients on the days that I'm, I'm going to be there. And it was great. We ended up, there's, there was one full-time SLP there and then maybe three PRN. So at most there were usually two to three of us there. So I felt completely supported there while on site. Yeah. And and like I said, I'm so glad you raised that point because I think, you know, people say, well, I've been offered this PRN job. You know, I've been wanting to get into, you know, acute care or something like that. Should I take it? And, and I think there's two polar opposite responses sure. yep. because <laughs> I know in some settings, like I, I know I did, you know, kind of travel PRN, that <laughs> whole game for like a year. And some places I would go to on a Saturday afternoon and the place would be a ghost town yeah, and I would way. be completely by myself, like trying to figure out how to turn on the stinking computer, you know. So I think of like those nightmare scenarios for someone that's completely inexperienced hell to the no, like do not do that. Don't, please don't do it. You know, and it just, it, the thought of that, like, just brings me to a source of anxiety. Just, I mean, the simple stuff, like, how do I get onto the, the rehab documentation system? Like stuff like that. And you, when you're treating your patients, like I, I, I just don't believe in functioning in high levels of anxiety. I just think it makes everyone's life more difficult. So support, support, support is super important. And I I honestly, I would not have taken those positions if I knew that I was not going to be supported because you cannot transition to this level of care with these patients if you don't have that support and that mentorship. Yeah. I love it. So glad you said that, Kelly. Incredibly important. So yeah, at, at, I worked that facility for a few months and then actually got hired onto another one. So, and I'm, I'm, I'm currently, 
there's one that's just kind of an independent standalone facility. And then the other one is a part of an, a, a group. So I'm with both of those right now, part-time. And then I actually got hired on our PRN, I'm sorry, um, at a long-term acute care hospital. And if you would have asked me 12 years ago, would I be in an LPAC, <laughs> I would have shot you the craziest look ever. Just because it just, and I don't know, I don't know where the breakdown for me happened, where I, I was afraid, if I'm being honest. And I think it kind of goes to the point of your letter. Like I didn't feel with my externships and my practicums at the university level that I would have been well-equipped to go into an LTAC. Yeah. And, and it's just a two-year program where we have to cram so much information into those few semesters or few quarters. I think we were quarters at the time. It's just not enough. And I've, I've never been the person where I'm going to do something where I'm not prepared. Yeah. And, and that, and, and again, like kids are, kids are my thing. And so I think it was, I don't know, I felt prepared if that makes sense. And so, you know, for me to kind of step out of my comfort zone to an LTAC, I, my husband's like, you, you know, hats off to you because it's so outside of my comfort zone. But honestly, I absolutely love it. Yes. I mean, we are trach and vent. We're doing fees, collaboration with respiratory therapist. I absolutely love it. Yes. And so that was actually an interesting process too. So I took the fees training because, you know, kind of in the private practice and learning some different things and areas of need. I'm like, I am so interested in this. So I took the beginning course, and this is two years ago. I took the course, absolutely loved it. And so when I was in the nursing homes, I didn't really have access to it or the ability to even further my skills with passes. And so just kind of talking to different mentors in the area, and it was kind of decided, well, you're going to need to get a hospital job just because you know, they're going to be doing it. You're going to have access to it. And I said, okay, we'll try. And again, like it's, it's sort of that imposter syndrome. Like who am I able to do this? Like, is this something that is in my, you know, scope? And it totally is. And it's just kind of pushing all those thoughts aside and just saying, just do it. So I did. And she called me back and the director of rehab or the, the rehab manager who happens to be an SLP literally is like an angel from above. She was looking for PRN. She was looking for an SLP who had already been feed trained and was interested in it. And I'm like, oh, yes, (laughs) you know, I'm here. And so interview, she was well aware, again, full transparency. And I knew that that was going to be a level of care in which was going to be nothing that I had ever experienced. And so it was incredibly important for me to be able to have an open conversation with her about that, knowing full well that I would need lots of support. And she said, I've got you. And literally the way that their program was set up, I did get hired on 90 days, 90 days orientation. I walked around with our doctors. I walked around with nursing, wound care, physical therapy, occupational therapy, Every single discipline that was in that hospital, not only did I do rotations with them, then I did rotations with the SLP. It was like a excellent yes. externship, yeah, which, which was fantastic. And I think it's so necessary, but she literally held my hand 
through everything. And now I feel fully comfortable working with that population. Yeah. And you know, I, I, that, that literally, I, you know, <laughs> it was a, a unicorn experience in which like, I, I couldn't have asked for anything. It's not a unicorn though, Kelly, because yes. they <laughs> do exist. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> and again, 45 minutes away. Yeah. Yeah. But, so, and let me say you also were selective. I mean, you were selective true. in that you had some opportunities come around that weren't going to provide you that level of support and mentorship. And you easily said no. So like I said, you know, this wasn't the first thing that came across your plate, but this was the first thing that came across that provided the need, the support, the mentorship that you needed. So absolutely. Yeah. And and I also, I I wanted, so I just wanted to clarify, you didn't just walk into this LTAC and say, I have no experience whatsoever. What can you teach me? But you had been taking all these CEU courses behind the scenes. Yes. So yes. you took you took the fees course and you also yeah, tell them you took a million yes. other ones too. So absolutely. Again, it's 2019. There's no reason why we can't or shouldn't be looking into high level CEUs. I've been a part of MedBridge for two years the Med SLP Collective. Thank you. I I seriously, it, and I've told you this before. I honestly, I don't know what I would do without it because again, when I came out 12 years ago, just this direct access to practical clinical research, everything Med SLP, it just was harder to get. But now we have it literally at our fingertips. And so between going to courses, I just did an advanced fees course with Dr. Langmore, which is fantastic. I did the beginning fees course in Nashville between the Med SLP Collective and SIG 13. I now have access to all of this information. So when I go to a facility and there may be a diagnosis that I'm not so familiar with, I'll go and research more about it. And now that I have this quick access to this information, it's nonstop learning. I mean, I <laughs> I don't even have it to show you, but I walk around with a binder. Oh no, because my computer's on it. I have a binder <laughs> that I walk around with that just has... I love it, Kelly. Yeah. Everything. And I, I don't go to any of my facilities without it. It's in my car. Tiffany Wallace and Yvette McCoy's book is in my purse. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, I, I really, not only did I, I put the work in and finding these facilities, but just kind of self-education Yeah, and really putting the time and behind the scenes to make sure that I'm up on all the, the new and current research and best yeah. practice. I love it. And I just, the, the impact you're going to have on your patients, Kelly, is just... I'm I'm so excited for you and your future and everybody that you're going to help because we all, I, I think once you realize how powerful this field is and once you've helped some acutely ill patients get all the way back to speaking, swallowing, whatever it is that they need to do, I think then you realize how important that self-education really truly is. Yeah. And, you know, I, I was just I was going back and forth with some girl online this morning about, you know, she was arguing that she was saying, you know, the Med SLPs co- collective is too expensive. I'll never join it. I can't. Medbridge is way too expensive. And it's like, at, at what point do you say maybe I need to invest in myself? Yep. Like may, maybe my patients deserve a little better. Yep. So I, <laughs> I, I, I. Yeah. You know, that for me has been part of the process that I've actually enjoyed is it's because it's something that I love, 
I don't mind the investment of not only my money, but my time. Yeah. And this is all self-funded. I don't have, you know, I don't have an employee pool for CEUs. And so this is all of my doing, you know, because I want this. I want this for myself. I want this for my patients. I want if my 83-year-old grandfather goes into the hospital, I want I want to know that he's going to have the level of care from a therapist that is yep. doing what they need to do, you yep. know, and 100%. not someone that doesn't want to invest in the most current research and best practice and really doing what's best for the patients that we serve. Yep. And, yep. you know, it's, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. You know, like I said, this has been two years and I have a lot to learn, but I am one of those people. I'll never stop learning. I'm not, you know, this whole process again has been humbling and you really have to be open. Like you just can't be set in your ways and not open to, to change. Yeah. Well, thank you for being the epitome of swallow your pride, Kelly. I, <laughs> I, you know, it's, it's, I, I, and again, like I am a living, a breathing SLP. You know, I think I called you a creature before, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's fair. I mean, I with light reading is, yeah. you know, the yeah. phage articles, yes. Yes. Or, you know, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so cranial nerve exams on yes. my, on my yes. family. Bedtime reading. <laughs> yes. Yep. <laughs> People think that I just like sit on the soapbox and preach this stuff. Cause I, I like to, but I think that it actually comes from our ASHA code of, code of ethics. And I, it's not just me. Cause I like to hear myself talk, but yes. we really truly are bound by this code of ethics and making sure that our patients are getting treated with the best evidence that we have possible. So I think, you know, that's what I love too. What you talk about is taking these courses, getting the level of mentorship that you need to succeed. Yeah. And it's, you know, when I, when I first started kind of diving into the CEUs and the, you know, the, the Facebook groups, I, it didn't make sense to me until I was in the facilities and saw some of that happening. Yeah. And I mean, my jaw dropped like, ah, you know, I, I, I heard that this stuff was happening and I knew that things like this were going on, but to actually see it, I said, no, mm-mm. yeah, yeah. That's just not, you know, I, I truly, truly believe in holding to that code of ethics yeah. and it's incredibly important. And I just, from a human level, you know, would you want your loved one to be the recipient of not evidence-based practice. And I kind of just live my life like that. And it just, it it really breaks my heart that we should have to fight or or even have an argument or discussion about ethics and doing things that are ethical. I mean, it's it's a no-brainer to me, but I I know that it happens. Yeah, I I think what what I struggle with with that is, you know, it says in the code of ethics that we will not do things that we're not competent in Mm -hmm. and we will not treat patients in areas that we're not competent in. And I think what like I get hung up on and, and what a lot of people in our field get hung up on is, you know, we have these supervisors or we have these directors that say, oh, well, this is within your scope of practice. So of course you can do it. There's so many things within our scope of practice. Like you said, exactly. I mean, you've, you know, you are a lactation consultant, you work with kids with autism. Like I wouldn't even know where to start with that stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think it's almost having this like self 
compass of like, am I completely competent in this? And there's, there's really, there's a huge difference between fake it till you make it when it comes with dealing with a person Mm -hmm. in an area that you have no experience in. And that's like what really, you know, I'm the first person to encourage someone to go out and get the training that they need, you know, put your fears aside, fake it till you make it, go get the training you need. But that's what I mean when I say fake it till you make it. I mean, put your fears aside, go get the training you need. I do not mean (laughs) go try that passing mirror valve on that patient when you've never picked up a passing mirror valve or never seen a patient with a trach in your life. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's being able to have that kind of moral compass. And I mean, frankly, common sense, like these are people's lives that we have in our hand. And again, you know, just like you said, like taking a passing mirror valve, like before my 90 day kind of externship, forget about it. You couldn't have paid me to touch that with a 10 foot pole, but I'm that kind of, I'm not afraid to say no, you know, you're not, I'm not going to put my license on the line. I'm not going to put my ethics, anything on the line. And, you know, I can see a trend or, you know, if you've got a, a new grad in a position, and this is completely hypothetical, but then you have a more senior clinician or a rehab director who might not be an SLP kind of saying, go do that. It's just, it's just the, the confidence in being able to say, no, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. And I know for me personally, not that I would have done that, but I, I just didn't even put myself in those facilities because I, again, like I did not feel prepared for that. So I knew from the beginning, don't even stick me in there because I'm not ready. And so I think it's, it's just individuals and, you know, mentors helping mentees to really kind of have that confidence to really hold by those ethics and to be able to say, no, I'm not doing that. Yeah. Well, and and Kelly, I love your confidence in knowing what you don't know and the level Mm -hmm. of support you need. And, and I think, you know, we see so many of these new grads or SLPs that go out and, you know, they, they kind of want to not, I'm trying, I can't find the right word right now. Not swerve the SLP or not convince the SLP into thinking that there's someone that they're not, but they don't want to admit that they don't know this information and they don't Mm -hmm. want to admit that they need support and mentorship because then they may not get the job. Mm -hmm. But you know what? That certainly is not the job for you then, you know, and and I think people need to not be afraid to say, I don't know this information. I need this support. I need this mentorship. Right. You know, I know in, in a facility I worked with, there was one of the PTs was being told to go start on wound rounds. And he's like, I have no experience with wounds whatsoever. I'm not going to round with the wound team. And they're like, well, what do you mean? He's like, I'm willing to do it if you guys send me for training. So they sent him to like a three-day wound training. They got him some more mentorship with someone that was on the wound team. They Mm -hmm. let him and that other PT go on the wound team together for a few months, like you said, before he went separate, you know? So it's a lot of times they think, well, they're never going to give me this level of support. And it's like, they don't know unless you tell them that you need it. Yep. Yep. (laughs) You have to be transparent, you know? Yeah. And and I think of that with with like fees training, too, you know, because Mm -hmm. it is within our scope of practice. Some DORs will say, well, we have a scope. Here you go. You can go scope those patients. And it's like, okay. I mean, I went to the basic course, you know, and and they don't know that. No, you need supervised passes. You need someone to help you interpret what you're seeing. So, yeah, it's 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 serious. You know, it's 
Yeah. It's people's lives. And I, I just implore, <laughs> yes. you know, those transitioning, those in facilities now that aren't feeling supported, just ask. Yeah. You know, no one can really know what you need and to which level you need it if you don't ask. Yeah. And, you know, again, I'm a seasoned clinician and I have no problem <laughs> telling my manager, hey, yeah. can you come in here and look at this with me? <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's an excellent clinician, Kelly. I mean, that's, yeah. <laughs> it really truly is because yeah, none of us know everything. So no. <laughs> awesome. Do you have any, any final thoughts for everybody? I would just encourage anyone who is interested, truly, truly interested in transitioning to just do it. Again, Dr. Jamie Fisher has a fantastic outline of how to do it the right way and the wrong way. I am living proof. If you do it the right way, it will totally pay off. And I honestly have a whole new sense of excitement and enjoyment in my career. I'm feeling completely fulfilled. And again, I am in a position now where I, you know, I, I never would have dreamed that I would have been here and I'm, I'm absolutely loving it. So just Yay. do it. That I is my it. phrase. Just do it. <laughs> I love it. Oh, thank you so much for sharing all that, Kelly. I love chatting with you. Thanks for having me. This is yes. fun. Yay. <laughs> so if you would love to hear more of these episodes and get some easily digestible bites of swallowing knowledge, then please leave a review on iTunes or pledge a small amount on patreon.com forward slash swallow your pride, because that is what keeps these episodes coming. Also, don't forget to subscribe, share with your closest colleagues, and show notes will always be available to download over on SwallowYourPridePodcast.com, where you can also be notified of the latest podcast episodes. Also, credit to Stephanie Jacobson for her incredible editing skills, and thank you so much to all of you for listening.